You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey everybody, it's Adam, live and in person for you. Hey everybody, it's Adam, wonder who he'll interview. My spidey senses are tingling today because I am swinging into the world of Marvel Comics with my special guests, Crystal Skillman and Bobby Cronin, whose fantastic podcast, King Kirby, is burning up the Broadway Podcast Network. When we come back, I'll be talking with Crystal and Bobby about how they adapted this play by Crystal and her husband, Fred Van Lenty, to create a podcast about Jack Kirby, the most famous cartoonist you've never heard of who co-created such mega-hit comics as Captain America, The Avengers, and The X-Men. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Crystal Skillman and Bobby Cronin. Hi, Crystal and Bobby. How are you? Great. Good. How, are you? How are you? Good. I'm so excited you both are on the show. Um, I have been loving your podcast. And I'm thrilled you're also part of the Broadway Podcast Network. It's just like one more dimension to our friendship. It's so, so <laughs> exciting. Um, so let's start. Um, I normally start my interviews off uh, asking about a question about legacy, but I really just want to start real quick about your podcast, King Kirby, because it is so good and it's so fantastic. And I'm actually gonna start with a question from one of my Patreon members. The Golden Gaze NYC, they are, um, they, they're a drag um, trio who pay homage to the Golden Girls. So <laughs> their question is, were both of you comic people or just one of you that made you interested in this story? Yes, it really, you know, um, uh, it starts with my husband, Fred Van Lenty, um, and his passion for the story of Jack Kirby. And originally he uh, wrote the play um, uh, by himself, but it was the very first rough draft. And then he showed it to to me. Um, and uh, we, I started giving notes. And then one day I got back a copy with my my name on it. And he's like, great, you're a co-writer. Like, you know, now you get to share half the brunt of the work. Um, and, you know, he was writing for Marvel and he was a, a comic book writer. And this was his, really his first play. And kind of it was the reverse for me with him when we ended up working on comic books. When we made it into an audio um, drama, the first person we called is we called Bobby. And we wanted to talk about that music and uh, and what it was. And, and but Bobby, I mean, what was your, um, oh, and so I got brought in, but I was reading things like Watchmen, things like uh, Art, Art uh, Spiegelman's uh, Mouse and a lot of independent comics through my life with Fred. When we called you, Bobby, was there a lot of comic books that you've read? No, no, but I, I love Marvel. I love superhero stuff. And I had read the play a while ago when you and I had sort of early on started working together just to read some of your work. And I remember really liking it. So when you connected with me, my I think within 10 seconds, I was like, yes, because all I could think of was I get to write a superhero theme. Like I just couldn't, I was so excited that I was getting the opportunity to do something like that. So I'm really not a comic book person, um, but the play itself was just so human um, that I, I really had to be a part of it. That's so terrific. Now, how did you turn the stage play into a podcast? So, 
I don't you know if you could talk about that process a little well, bit. Well, it starts with, um, and one of the things you can tell it's unique about this recording is how lived in it feels with the with the actors, and that's because we had um, eight legendary performances at the Brick Theater in New York. Um, the times came, uh, which was unexpected and lovely um, in this case, because they loved it, which is a good situation <laughs> to be in. Um, but the festival yes. ended, and uh, for the Kickstarter backers, we did an audio recording a few um, months later, um, uh, really a month or so after, um, at a comic book store, Midtown Comics. So we had that audio recording and it wasn't until the, the um, and it wasn't episodic yet, you know, and uh, we had that. And during the pandemic, this is really a passion project where we realized this could be a very powerful um, story. So when we, when we shared the audio with Bobby too, um, he took it from there in terms of working with Fred in terms of also mixing it. Bobby, so, so how did you, after listening to the audio and like you said, you had read the play. So then how do you come in to the project and, say this is how I think the music should be done? Um, well, I had some good chats with Crystal and Fred. Um, I read the P, you know, I've scored film before um, and writing musicals, you're basically scoring the whole time. Um, and, but I'd never done an audio drama. And so um, I read the play after they asked me if I would be interested. And I just took notes for myself of like what I was hearing in my head. Um, you know, sometimes violins, sometimes like superhero theme. Here's where it gets created. Just, you know, notes for myself. And then uh, Crystal and Fred sent me um, a nicely detailed thing of where they could hear some, you know, telephones and, and this and that, which then opened a whole nother world for me of like, oh, right. I get to tell the audience everything because they can't see it. And so it became a really cool way of utilizing my brain that's different than writing a musical or writing a pop song. Um, and it, it also the time period stuff was really helpful um, and going from decade to decade. Um, but it was just it was really an amazing and another thing that was really great, an opportunity for me. So before I was a writer, I was a director. And one of the things that I was able to do with this was to sort of, um, you know, help Beats land uh, if from an ear point of view, as opposed to watching it. Like we can't see that he's handing a contract. We can't. See, so there were things that I got to really play with timing because I could splice it up and add some effects and add some dramatic music or some driving music or whatever was needed to to sort of give the each episode an arc. Because mm -hmm. that's what we, you know, we were taking a, a, a piece and sort of chopping it into four episodes. And those four episodes need to have their own beginning, middle and end musically. Yes. And pack a punch, yeah. Yeah, pack a punch. <laughs> yes. Now, what is it about um, Jack Kirby's story that you each relate to? Like, are there mm. struggles that each of you have gone through similar to Jack? Yeah, you know, when we, in, in the early drafts of the play, you know, we were really looking at that framework and the context for why we're seeing Jack's story and why today. And and that has a lot to do with why I wanted, we both wanted Bobby to do this score is we wanted it to sound modern. We wanted it to, which hits home the very first scene in which he says, you know, don't, I don't want to know the number of what I'm worth um, after I'm gone because he's still drawing kind of in the afterlife. Um, uh, and uh, we're hearing his pieces being auctioned off for, for so much money. Um, and that's money he didn't see in his lifetime. And so for 
for me, that's a constant struggle is the constant struggle between doing what I love and trying to make a living at it and, um, and, and trying to be fair to my collaborators, but also create my vision. And that, that's a lot about the story. Yeah. And for me, um, legacy really, that really hit me reading this piece of what do you leave behind? Mm -hmm. And I loved the sacrifices that Jack was willing to make for his family. I'm a very family-oriented person myself. And so I really understood his, his battles and his struggles. Um, and I think that's what makes it so human. And that's what I really wanted to bring to the, to the music. Um, it was something that we can connect with um, that, uh, that, that, that puts us in a world of, I understand this, I recognize this. There's a piece of me in Jack Kirby. I think there's a piece of everybody in Jack Kirby yes. wanting to get credit for the things that you've done. Yes, definitely. Definitely. I mean, who, who wants to do something and then someone else's name gets slapped on it? Right. I mean, you can even look at like the history of Broadway, all these people that, you know, ghost wrote things or came in and sort of fixed things and they don't get credit. You know, there's sort of mm -hmm. folklore about it. But, um, you know, I think credit, you got to give credit where credit is due. Yes, definitely. Definitely. And um, speaking of legacy, uh, I am now going to ask this question. So X amount of years from now, when somebody mentions Crystal Skillman and Bobby Cronin, what do you want people to say about you or remember about you? That we wrote with purpose. That, that, I mean, Crystal and I, we're very similar. We, we like to tell stories about the underdog. We like to, so we, in, in the sort of underrepresented and, um, that you know that real honestly that's what i would like to be remembered as 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 someone who is trying to do good for the world for the, for for the the citizens of the world by telling stories that aren't you know your basic story <laughs> basic mm -hmm. I, don't, I want to say white people so i'm going to say it like your basic white people story mm -hmm. and we like stories with struggle and you know something i really love about um king kirby is sort of remembering the racism or or or, or ethnic I, I don't even know what the like him being a brooklyn jew mm -hmm. and 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 how you know still here we are today and in 2021 and we're still hearing things uh with anti-semitism mm -hmm. and i just i I'm, I'm confused by by it all so um you know it's something I, I really hope that i leave behind is that the stories that i tell have purpose Agreed. And that, that we spoke to the times we were living in with, you mm. know, with intention and to challenge an audience to Love question that. their own place yeah. and their own choices, um, which is what, you know, theatrical works, be it on audio or live or, you know, um, or be it writing for television, you know, um, it's, that's, that's the point is that, you know, it, the stories can help you reflect upon your own life and help you navigate better choices for yourself and your community. And so, you know, we pick these stories of outsiders for that purpose. And uh, absolutely what Poppy was saying about um, the anti-Semitism that Jack was up against and also Stan, and that's something that connects them. They both changed their names. Mm -hmm. And that's something that comes up a lot in the right. piece, um, you know, and Stan is younger, um, Stan Lee. And so, you know, in Marvel Comics, there was no Marvel Comics yet. They, they, you know, Stan Lee becomes Marvel Comics and the things they create together become Marvel Comics. And so that's so much of what we live in is 
this exploration of what does that mean to create and um, is writing just literally writing words? Is it coming up with a character? Is it drawing? Is it because he was drawing all the actions and all the pieces and even adding words um, and yet he didn't get co-writer credit. So, right. you know, it's it, there's a lot for us to think about um, that we're still talking about today. And, that, and, and that's why in terms of it being a pandemic story, um, in terms of the obstacles Jack was up against, these are still these things that we are talking about today, but also as artists, there's a story here as well. You know, we're talking a lot about and reflecting on how much work did I do? Was that worth my time? Was I taken advantage of? What what was that? And that's in the story. And so as we were grappling with those things, I wanted people to be able to listen to the story as they were trying to work those things out for themselves in this current time. It's a great way to bring, you know, a story that's that is back in the day to modern times. Yes. So you, you did achieve that very well. And I, I do um agree you you both do write a lot of stories for um the underrepresented or the underdog um you know because another show that that you have written together is called mary and max which mm -hmm. before the pandemic had its um let's see I'm going to need help with all the places that it was because sure. it was so many. I know it had a, an Austrian premiere. Yeah. So we had our, our world premiere was at theater Calgary mm -hmm. uh, in a beautiful production. And then um, when we were there, we found out that we had um, gotten an offer for our European premiere uh, in Austria at uh, Landes Theater Linz. And uh, it was just an, unbelievably beautiful production that was so artistic um and yeah it, you know mary and max tells tells the story of of two outsiders that don't really fit into the world but we've also framed it with another story um that really has to do with with kindness and 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 love and and why it's so important um and it's just, you know, I saw the film and I knew right away I had to make it a musical. Crystal is the first book writer I thought of. Um, I just knew that she would understand the piece the way that I would. And we're both kind people, but we're quirky and we're both very determined, but we're sometimes walked on. And that's a lot of what the story is. Um, and to be greeted with such love from audiences has, has really been, you know, the opening in Austria, we were told that standing ovations don't really happen very often there. Uh -huh. And we got a five minute standing ovation. And I have a photo of it's like right outside my room. I have a photo of it of me and Crystal. And to this, that is the greatest moment of my life, that mm -hmm. feeling, knowing that we made we did what we set out to do mm -hmm. with the piece and challenge people to look at the world a different way. And they did. Yes. It's a fantastic piece. I mean, I Thank did you. get to see uh, an early reading of it. And yeah. I mean, it's very moving. It's a very important story that needs to be told. And mm -hmm. it's so exciting that, you know, it got to have a few productions before the pandemic and hopefully uh, with live theater opening up. I mean, they just announced today that the day of our recording that Broadway is going to come back September 15th, 100%. So hopefully with live theater coming back, you know, we'll get to see more productions. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll have much more with Bobby Cronin and Crystal Skillman. The new 2023 Ford Escape is the perfect getaway car. Featuring an available 13.1-inch center stack screen, 360-degree camera, 
and Bang & Olufsen sound system and spatial flexibility for extra legroom. The new 2023 Ford Escape. Learn more at Ford.com. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Priceline presents Go to Your Happy Price. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. You can see yourself already there. It's beautiful. It might be sunny and sandy for some, neon and urban for others, deserts or rainforests or hiking trails. With Priceline, you can get to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else. Like up to 60% off select hotels to Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to Priceline.com and travel to your happy place for a happy price. All right, see ya. I'm off to Miami. No, actually, wow, look at that. No, I I'm going to Hawaii now. Ooh, Cancun looks nice. You know what? Belize looks pretty nice this time of year. Or, mmm, Palm Springs. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, everyone. My name is Crystal Skillman, and you're listening to Bearing It All with Call Me Adam. And now we're back. Um, there's one more part of the of the um, of King Kirby I do want to talk about. I'm not really sure where I want to go with it, but I just remember in listening to it, my favorite line in the um, in the play was, "It's so much easier to be something than do something." <laughs> and it just struck me because I think of all the things I I want to be, um, and it really is like. I guess it is so much easier just to say, I want to be this, but the work that you have to put in to actually become that, it is so much more than I think anybody would ever anticipate. And maybe, I guess, maybe could you speak to that? I mean, you both are are successful writers, you know, both of, of plays and musicals and, um, and everything. Can you, can you talk about some of the struggles that, you know, like you really had to go through to get to where you are yeah i mean for me it was hard because i started in this industry in a different role mm -hmm. and back then being a multi-hyphen it was looked very down upon mm -hmm. um i'm grateful now for all the things that i did because it helps me as a as a writer um but, but i think you know a big part of it was convincing others including myself if i'm being honest which is i'm showing you a tattoo um my first tattoo that I ever got that's visible was a deal that I made with myself that if anyone ever produced my work, I would get, as a composer, I would get my music tattooed on a part of my body that people would see mm -hmm. so that if people asked about it, I would have to say, I'm a composer. Mm -hmm. Because it was just such a foreign idea to me that, you know, I was writing musicals in my backyard when I was six mm -hmm. and did it all. I just always did it, but it was not something that I ever really thought of pursuing and then I, as a director i was working on all these new pieces and i just really was like why why aren't i doing this myself so when that shift came there was just a lot of pushback mm -hmm. and so i think the i mean i worked with someone recently who said i remember you as a performer and it was said in like a negative tone uh -huh. and i was like oh yeah because i've joined equity when i was 19 like what's the point like i don't know like i'm just i was just confused as to what that meant mm -hmm. it meant that i can sing my material when i'm writing it like it, you know it, it, it's just so interesting that the challenges came from within the industry yes yes mm -hmm. and if i'm you know 100 
honest within myself, mm-hmm. which is why that I remember the first time I paid at Starbucks and the the um, barista said, oh, I love your tattoo. What is that? And I had to say, I wrote that. I mm-hmm. am a composer. And eventually, you know, it's that whole thing of you got to put it out there into the world, put out there what, what it is that you want. Yeah. And that was my way of putting it out there. So it is, it has been a struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, something that I've done that is both a positive and a negative, but I, on social media, like I don't follow a lot of people that do what I do mm. because I tend to look at what they're doing and go, why aren't I doing that? Why didn't I do that? Why didn't I win that award? Why didn't I get that? And it, it can spiral you out of control. Mm-hmm. And so, and it also makes it so that when I see these people, I can actually talk to them about something other than I already know everything that you're doing. I see it on social media. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yes. that's, that's my spiel on that one. Crystal? I, I have a very <laughs> similar story in that um, it's a very... Um, uh, you know, it's it's the basic thing that anyone will go through. And, and I'm so grateful that multi-hyphenates now have come into their glory because it's like, I just, I feel like I was on stage and I was doing my work and then a big old hot spotlight <laughs> went on my face. And I was like, oh, but I've been here, you know, the whole time doing my work uh, unashamed of the fact that, you know, I went to visual arts school, I went to Parsons School of Design, I um, have foundation art, um, background. I interned at Ensemble Studio Theater and Circle Repertory Theater in its last year, Lanford Wilson's Theater. And so the love of writing and plays came from creating worlds and world building. And I was a very visual writer from the very beginning. And I was like creating everything. And uh, But I didn't pursue an MFA um, in, in, in writing. And so that is good and bad. You know, if it, that would have been possibly an easier road um, although there are many of my friends that have done that and then had their own struggles because everyone has struggles. You don't see it when you're younger. You don't quite understand. Um, and I was pushed into the public's eye as a playwright pretty early on because I had a short play reviewed by the times and I'd only been writing for two years and I really hadn't formally studied playwriting. I kind of Mm. just fallen into this. And so, you know, I've been performing and learning and showing out loud. And I guess the biggest thing that I've learned is be like, if I make a mistake, I make a mistake. If I, if, if, you know, I'm trying to make this writing and, and, and each story the best it can be, but I'm also learning. And that's why I rewrite a lot in the room and people are often like, oh, wow, you can rewrite really fast. Or, you know, um, you know, we all get a little defensive if we get notes sometimes, but I'm really able to absorb a lot and able to understand that it's the best idea in the room wins and that we're creating something together. And that came from the visual art world that came from um, being a multi-hyphenate and that came from that energy. So people that saw something me like Bobby, you know, he got to know me early on and I was showing him some works that were, didn't fully work. Um, you know, plays that, 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 that are in my drawer, right. That hadn't quite made it. Um, but, um, but he saw that there was something there and he saw it was valuable and he saw that, that, this could become something if I keep working on it. And, uh, you know, that idea got planted about collaboration between the two of us. And we felt our work sing to each other. And we've seen each other grow up in different ways. So right. I was a fan of Bobby as a director. And then I became a fan of Bobby and his writing. And we both had this shared love of musicals. And this idea of collaboration and, and being able to be open and not say, well, you know, I, you know, I, 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 
you know, did things this way or have my career, a certain roadmap in my mind that's limiting me. When you don't have that, you are literally going to be a great musical theater writer because there are so many elements and there's so many things that go into the stew um, and it's working on so many levels. It requires immense collaboration and trust. And also you're right there when, you know, Bobby will try out a song idea and be like, okay, no, no, we're going to change it to this. Or I'm like, no, no, no. And I'm, you know, fighting for a scene and, and that scene doesn't work, you know, and that's okay because Bobby trusts me and I trust him and we're honest with each other. And right. it's that honesty that creates magic when the curtain goes up because then the audience gets to witness us working through to the best story we can to communicate um, these valuable um, pieces. I love I love how you each have had your own struggles, but in a way there is a common thread between between your stories. And I probably think that's one more reason you just work so well together. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. And that we both have a kind of, a, I don't know what to call it, blue collarish upbringing, yeah. although very mm -hmm. different. I was an only child. Yeah. You had a, a, um, a lot of siblings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but nothing was, there was no big grant. There was no, there was no, you know, we had to be working while we made art. And I think right. that's why we loved the story of Jack Kirby so much because he, and why he's really beloved in the comic book industry, because he fought so hard. He had a family and also he could produce more pages in a day than any other comic book artist. Comic book artists are still talking about it at that quality where you could hang it in a museum. I mean, it was incredible. And he's known for these things called Kirby dots and all these beautiful pieces of art that really inspired the art world as much as the um, comic book world. So I think that that's a big thread with Bobby and I too, is that we, um, you know, we have got that blue collar thing of like, you know, we've got to make it work. We're doing our best, but also we've got to make a living. Yep. And my friend Christopher Shin said something that always stuck with me and uh, John Beluso, two writers that I grew, you know, um, grew up with in the kind of indie scene. And, uh, you know, they said, you know, you could tell the people who work when they write plays and the people who mm -hmm. don't. Um, and I think that's a lot that we're seeing shift and change. You know, we're seeing you know, stories on stage that aren't about the wealthy anymore in a certain way. And that's the direction we're going to keep going. And I think that's really exciting. Yes, it is. It is. And it's great that you both are part of that, that forward movement in storytelling. Uh, we are unfortunately out of time for today's episode, but stay tuned because part two will be released soon. So where can everybody find you both on social media and King Kirby? Yes, um, um, my, I'm my name everywhere, Crystal Skillman on all media, um, Insta, you know, Twitter, all of that. Um, and you can follow um, uh, for just really cool content dealing with Jack Kirby, comics or theater or musical theater or Bobby's work or all these sorts of things you love at um, on Insta and Twitter at King Kirby Play. Um, and then you can find uh, King Kirby on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, it's everywhere. And it's right there on the Broadway Podcast Network site as well, as well as our beautiful trailer, which if you haven't watched it, I'll watch it. It's really fun. It's a comic. It's really great. Um, and I'm at Cronin Bobby uh, on Instagram and Bobby Cronin everywhere else. And I just got a fancy new website that I'm yes, very, very happy with. That's bobbycronin.com. I love it. Well, everybody listening, come to the Broadway Podcast Network and listen to King Kirby. 
Uh, you can also, like they said, listen to it on your favorite podcast platform, but do come to the Broadway Podcast Network to listen to it. And you can also take it with you with our brand new app, the Broadway Podcast Network app. So go to the Apple Store and download it to your phone and listen to King Kirby on the go, as well as the thousands of hours of other art and theater related podcasts we have here at the Broadway Podcast Network. So keep listening. He'll get the dirt and the scoop and the story for he happens to be in the know. Just ask anybody who's had him at all for the business of show. Call me Adam.com. Find more episodes of Bearing It All with Call Me Adam everywhere you stream podcasts. For my print and video interviews, visit my website, callmeadam.com. Follow me on social media at callmeadamnyc on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And finally, if you really want to get involved, support my podcast on a deeper level by becoming a member of my Patreon family. Visit patreon.com slash callmeadamnyc. There, you'll get a variety of backstage perks, including advance notice of interviews, the ability to submit a question to my guests, and everyone's favorite, swag. <laughs>